Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. I am your host, Dr. Angela Luria. I am the creator of the Author Incubator and of the Difference Process, 10 Steps for Writing a Book That Matters. And on Book Journeys Radio, we talk to authors about their experience writing, publishing, and promoting their first book. And today on the show, we have Marcy Tweet. She is the CEO and founder of the Career Girl Network. Her book, You Know Everybody, A Career Girl's Guide to Building a Network That Works, uh, is, is really the type of resource that many people in their careers need about networking. Um, Marcy, I am so happy you're here with us. Tell us a little more about the book. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so You Know Everybody is a book about networking, and it really um, it tackles the fact that networking in our career world today has kind of become a four-letter word. Um, we think of networking as things that are you know, bad champagne and, and terrible meatball sliders and things like that at bad events. So what I set out to do with this book is to really debunk the myths of networking and step-by-step teach people and guide our readers through creating a massive and meaningful professional network that will guide you step-by-step through your career and help you get ahead and get all of the places that you want to be. So throughout the book, we talk about creating your elevator pitch. We talk about the different people you should include in your network, how you can connect with people if you're looking for a job or if you just want to build a new meaningful connection, Um, things like cold calling and the art of follow-up. And then what makes this book unique is that it's not just my experience and my professional um, advice about networking. I also interviewed 10 incredible female CEOs, entrepreneurs, high-level corporate women about their experience in networking and use that across the book. So I'm very, very proud of it. It really is a soup-to-nuts how-to guide for women who want to build their network. And you can find it at youknoweverybodybook.com. And why was this topic important to you? What's your background? How did you come to write this book? Sure. So um, I actually worked the first 10 years of my career in nonprofit marketing and fundraising. And as a fundraiser, networking is a huge part of what you do. You're meeting new people all the time, pitching yourself, pitching your organization. But I started to hear from women as I sort of transitioned into the world of being a, you know, quote-unquote career expert, that people were afraid of networking, that people didn't know how to do networking, that they looked at people like me and they thought, oh, it's it's just that you know everybody. You didn't have to work hard to do that. But what I realized is that I worked really hard to build my network, and most of the people who have these massive and meaningful, what I call you know everybody networks, worked very hard and were very strategic to get them. And I think sometimes the myth is that it's just extroverts have a big network and introverts have a small network, and that's not what it is at all. So this topic appealed to me because, I really saw that the difference between people who were getting ahead, getting the big jobs, getting better paychecks, and those who weren't were people who had a really great network behind them while they were doing those things. Wow, yeah, I think that's definitely true. So how did this fit in? What was your what was your vision for this process? How is this going to fit in your life? Did you have the the Career Girl Network running at the time? Tell me about the vision. I did. I, um, I've thought about this book for a long time, and 
I was a blogger. I wrote a blog called Minneapolis Career Girl. And then when I moved to Chicago in 2010, um, I started a blog called Chicago Career Girl. And when I moved to Chicago, I knew not a single soul. I, I didn't have a college friend there. I knew no one except my husband. And I worked really hard to build a Chicago-based network that I didn't have. And it, there, I actually had an epiphany at the end of that year because someone turned to me and said, you know everybody, which is where the title of this book came from. And at the time that that happened to me, I was already thinking about turning the blog into a magazine and making it more of an entrepreneurship venture. So in February of 2012, I left my full-time job and turned Career Girl Network full-time. Um, and soon after that, I started the process of writing You Know Everybody because I really wanted the book to go hand-in-hand hand with what we were doing at Career Girl because networking is such a huge part of what I do in my own life and what I do as an entrepreneur as well. So it was really an initiative of the business, and now it's actually mm. become – in some ways, for me, it's become my focus. I have a wonderful staff at Career Girl um, that keeps things moving on the ground, and I actually focus much more heavily on speaking engagements and things that have to do with the book and promoting the book and, and all of those kinds of things. So it's been a, a fun journey that I started it to sort of help Career Girl, and it's now become its own um, livelihood of what it does. Wow. So how is the vision that you had for the book different or the same as what came out? Is that what you expected? It's interesting. I actually um, I wrote uh, a book proposal because I had originally intended to go the route of traditional publishing, and I ended up going the self-publishing route. Um, but I wrote a book proposal that laid out very specifically the chapters and what I wanted, and it actually turned out very similar to what the proposal was. And I know not a lot of authors have that experience, but um, I'm a, a huge outliner, and I really worked hard on that book proposal. I knew what I wanted in the book, and so that outline helped me keep on task, and it helped me keep moving from chapter to chapter, and so um, it actually looked very similar. I knew that I wanted to interview um, a number of women for the book, and I wasn't sure who they were or how that was going to fit in. The one big difference was that my plan was to have um, – multiple case studies, and they would come at the end of the book. And what we ended up doing as I was starting to schedule the interviews was matching the woman I was interviewing with the chapter that made the most sense for her and actually asking her really pointed questions about that chapter. So, for instance, I interviewed um, woman Arkel Giorgio, who was the former chief medical officer for United Health Group. And she had been for multiple years to the Forbes Women Con or the Fortune Women's Conference. And Fortune Women's Conference is impossible to get invited to. It's only C-level people. And so I interviewed her specifically on the chapter about attending industry events because she had hmm. been to these, you know, massive events and had sat next to and networked with people like um, Meg Whitman and Sheryl Sandberg and how do you network with those people. So we really tried to pair the women with the chapter, which was the, the one thing that changed from the beginning. Interesting. And uh, so as you were – so let's talk about just the timeline, from when you started writing to when you finished your manuscript. How, how long was that process for you? I actually had um, what other authors tell me is a very quick turnaround process. And I always – I preface that by saying I'm a writer every day. It's what I do. So the writing process is actually quite easy for me. So I started writing in September – of 2012, and I handed the finished manuscript to my editor on February 1st of 2013. 
Um, so I actually wrote the 10 chapters of the book in September, October, November, and December. And then I did all of the interviews and wrote all of the case studies in December and January. So I had a pretty quick process from what I've, what I've heard from other people. And then I know you worked uh, with a with an author funded publishing house, uh, the uh, self publishing services. How long was that publishing process from when you handed them the manuscript? Sure. Um, so I had started, and I recommend this to all authors. I started working with Mill City Press, my publishing house, before I even started writing the book. So I knew their timeline, and they knew my timeline when we started, which was really helpful because it kept me on task. I knew that I wanted the book out by July and what they told me. So I went to them and I said, okay, here's our goal. I want the book out in the summer. And they said to me, we need your manuscript by March 1st. And so that was a really good thing for me. So I handed the book. I used an outside editor that wasn't there, an editor at Mill City Press. Um, she received the book from me, from me on February 1st. And we sent the book to them. It actually ended up being a little bit late, um, about March 15th. And they, I had the book in my hands um, the last week in June. So it was a pretty um, quick turnaround even for them. But the, the reason that worked so well is because we set that timeline out way back in October. Mm. Got it. So let's talk about your publishing decision. When did you – how did you make the decision of how you were going to publish? You said you actually thought about going the traditional route. I did. When I originally launched Career Girl in, in February 2012, I wrote the book proposal. And um, I met with some literary agents. I, um, I knew a number of literary agents because I actually had worked in, a, in my previous job. I had worked with a lot of authors. And so I was able to connect with a lot of literary agents. And what I was told over and over again was, it's a great book idea. It's a, it will be fantastic on the business shelves of Barnes & Noble. People will love it. But your name isn't big enough. And so the advice that I got from a lot of literary agents was hang on to this proposal, and when you've built your business so that Career Girl has a million, two million, five million readers, then come back to us and we'll go get you a publishing deal. And so that was actually what I did. I said, okay, you know, I'll, be, I'll let it go for a year or a year or two, and then I'll come back to it. And then I met um, an incredible entrepreneur, who runs a company similar to mine but in the financial world in the summer of 2012. And I somehow got talking to her about this book, and she said to me, listen to me, write the book. Because she had had the exact same experience that I had had, where she took a proposal out, they said, wait till you get to a million users. Well, now her website has over 10 million users, and she went back to try to get a book deal and still couldn't get a book deal. So she hmm. said it isn't what they say. It. You know, she's like, you think that it's going to be this magic thing that when you're successful, someone will hand you this big book deal, and that's not always how it works. And so her advice to me was if you really want to write this book, if it's in your soul and you want to put it out there, write it. Um, because at the time, she said, I'm now too busy. I don't have time to do it. Um, so I really at that point got a fire lit under me and started doing the research um, met with my, who ended up being my editor, who was who introduced me to my publishing house, and um, all of it sort of started rolling from there. But it was really the notion of it meant more to me to write it than it did to wait through the process of getting, you know, some small check that would be an advance. And on top of that, I talked to a lot of authors who had been through the traditional publishing process and make, 
you know, 20 cents or 70 cents on the publication of every of every book. And so while I knew I wouldn't have the the arm of a publishing, a big publisher behind me, it also gives me the freedom to know that, you know, I take 100% royalties on my book and that a publishing company is not taking a massive cut of that. So that was really freeing for me as well. And how did you choose Mill City as the publishing company you went with? Yeah, I actually, um, I met with a freelance editor in Chicago who ended up being my editor on the book. And she actually said to me, there's this great company called Mill City Press. And the owner of Mill City Press is this guy, Mark Levine, who is sort of the the foremost voice on self-publishing. Um, he wrote a book called The Fine Print of Self-Publishing. So if, if you go on Amazon, you look up self-publishing, his book is the first thing that comes out. And the funny thing about his book is his book reviews self-publishing houses. He owns a self-publishing house, and he doesn't review it in his own book, which is sort of humorous. Um, but it goes to show the kind of ethics that Mark has. And so my editor recommended them to me, and it was strange because I actually lived a few blocks from their office in Minneapolis for five years and never knew they were there. And so I happened to be traveling to Minneapolis a few weeks after that. I went in, I toured their office, I met with Mark, and I just had such a great experience talking to them and I felt like they were my sort of hometown. Um, having lived in Minneapolis for nearly a decade, they were kind of a hometown publisher for me. Um, so it was an easy choice, and I actually didn't end up meeting with any other self-publishing houses or considering anybody else because I felt so good about Mark and his team at Mill City. And the model there, it sounds like they're not taking a percentage of your royalty. So the thing that I think it's important for people to know is every um, every publishing company works differently, and self-publishing needs a lot of different things. So I would call Mill City an author-funded publisher um, yes. in that your you weren't actually doing the design, you weren't hiring a you know a designer, you didn't go get the ISBN. They did all that heavy lifting for you. And with some self-publishers, they will charge you and they'll take a royalty. Some just charge yes. you, some just take a royalty. There's a whole various different models. So what was their model? Yeah, so um, their model is just what you're saying, a self-funded, an author-funded um, publishing model. So they have multiple packages. I mean, they have a massive package where literally – they edit the book for you, they get the ISBN, they build your website, they build, they do your marketing, they have all that kind of stuff. I actually ended up choosing one of their smaller packages, um, which included, um, I had my, I decided to have my book cover designed by a friend who was a designer, so I didn't use their in-house book design services, but they do have cover design. But they did all of my interior formatting for the actual paperback, they also did all of my interior formatting for the ebook um, on Kindle, iBook, and Nook. Um, they set me up a website that I can order, um, that I can process orders through um, their site, which is mybookorders.com. They also gave, you know, did all the physical proofing. They submitted my book to Google, to you know, all of the different places, so I didn't have to do any of that. Um, they were just you know, easy, easy, easy. They created my ebook, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, and then part of what Mill City does is they actually do not take a percentage of royalties. Um, some great, incredible self-publishers. It's very, very rare. It's very rare. And in in Mark's book, he talks about how you know generally you're going to get someone who takes a royalty. Mill City 
really believes that their authors get better service from them and that their authors have more um, sort of incentive to write a great book and, and market it and do really well if they don't take a royalty. So that was a part of the reason I chose Mill City is because they don't take a royalty. Um, and I really I appreciate that with them incredibly. Great. Um, well, that's a great resource for people to know about. And what else did you work with an editor? Who else helped you on your book? Who else did you work I with? Did. You um, I did. I did. I hired. Yeah, I hired um, an editor that I, I met in Chicago, um, who was my you know my editor on the book, and um, she also had a good relationship with Mill City Press and liaised with them. And then I also hired an outside book designer. Um, I joke with people, I'm, I am coming from a marketing background. I am a stickler about graphic design. So I, 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 that was something that I certainly could have done with Mill City, but I really wanted someone who knew me and knew my aesthetic so that we could have a beautiful um, piece. Because I, just, I think sometimes when you go the self-publishing route, there are certain companies where you lose some things, and one of those things is really very professional graphic design. So that was some of the best money that I spent on the book was a really wonderfully professional cover. That's terrific and, yeah, very, very important. And so for you, um, this book, t tell me when it came out again. It was June or July? June. Yep, June of this year. June of this year. So it's been a few months. What has the process been like since the book was out? Have there been any surprises? What have you learned? Yeah, I've I've learned so much. Um, I think, you know, the interesting thing for me um, that I learned in the process is how different the sort of uh, paperback book and the ebook piece are. Because we had the paperback book in hand in June, the ebook took a little bit longer because. Um, these poor publishing companies, they submit it to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iBook, and then you sort of wait. You don't know if it will be up tomorrow or in 10 days or in 20 days. And so there was a little bit of, you know, you get the book, you think you're ready, and you're going to go out and market it. Um, but what I've learned in that time is that 80% of book sales, all book sales now, are eBooks. And so it, it felt really great to have this paperback book in hand, but the vast majority of what we're selling um, are eBooks. The other thing that I learned really quickly is that in the entire publishing world, whether you're with Simon & Schuster or Penguin or a small publishing company, is that the idea of real-time sales numbers practically doesn't exist. Um, you know, I can see when someone buys a book on my own website. I can see when someone buys a, hard, or a, a paperback book on Amazon. But when someone buys a Kindle version or buys a new version, you don't know until quarterly sales reports come out. So that's been the most difficult thing for me is that unless I physically sell someone a book, like if I'm at a speaking engagement and I sell 30 books, or if someone buys it from my personal website that Mill City has set up for me, um, I don't know if someone bought it. So that's been the hardest thing and the most surprising thing is that it's very difficult to keep track of your success and your progress because of how these companies report to publishing houses. Mhm. Mm so how? So what? So what do you know? What can you tell? Um, I can definitely. The thing that I love about Amazon is that they have a great author center. So I do know um, regularly what's being sold on Amazon. I know what's being sold on my site. And what I've learned is really to push people. Um, if you're in the self-publishing world, you make significantly more money on a purchase that comes from you than you do on a purchase that comes from Amazon or Barnes and Noble or 
indie book because they take a cut. Um, you give them a, a discounted price as a retailer. So I make significantly more money. So it's really taught me on my own website when I'm putting things on my own website not to put – I see so many authors who just have the Amazon and Barnes & Noble links up um, where I make sure that the link to what's being sold on my site is more prominent than Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. I certainly welcome people to buy them from Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, but um, you know, I make more money and I can see what, what's coming in and going out and keep track of inventory um, online if people order on my own site. So it's taught me to sort of make things prevalent in that way. But it's also a fine line because when someone buys on Amazon, they might be more likely to review on Amazon and therefore you get a higher rating on Amazon. It's sort of a, a fine line that you have to walk between wanting to track things and you know, make a little bit more cash or vice versa being on that you know, quote-unquote bestsellers list, which is tough for any self-published author to get onto. Right. How about the, I don't know, I'll call this the emotional journey for you. Has there been feedback or experiences that have happened to you as an author that have surprised you in positive or negative ways? Definitely. Um, you know, mostly positive. I, I have to say, you know, I think whenever you launch something, whether it's a new product for your business or, or a book or anything that you're doing, um, there's a notion, I joke, that it's kind of ugly baby syndrome. You worry, like, is it any good? Is it ugly? Do pe are people even going to like this? And so um, you also worry, I think, as a self-published author, as an entrepreneur, that the only people who will buy your books will be, you know, your friends and your family and the your people mother. in your network. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's so funny. And I actually think my parents were like the last people to buy the book at this point because a couple of weeks ago they said, hey, are you going to send us one of the books? And I said, okay, okay you have actually to need it. it. You can <laughs> order it online. And my dad's like, well, I think I have it on my Kindle now. So they weren't even that great, though. I, I love my parents. But um, the surprising I will really tell you, though, I, I will tell you the, um, the number of authors I've talked to that had, it's not a big deal, but it's worth knowing, that had an expectation that when their book came out, their friends and family would, like, rush to buy it and read it and give them feedback. Yeah. And just there's, there's a little bit of surprise that that's not how everybody works. Exactly. You know, and I don't I've think it means more... that people don't love and support you, but they don't no, rush absolutely. out to buy your book always. But I've, the best feedback I've gotten has been from people that I don't know. And I think that's partially because you get really excited that someone actually knows what's going on and that, you're, that you wrote a book. But I've gotten some emails from people who said that they, you know, found my book on Amazon and that it, it helped them incredibly. I've already gotten someone who emailed me who said that she employed all of the, um, you know, tactics in my book and did all of the exercises, redid her resume, and landed a new job. And so it's wow, very Wow, how good is that I know. Feel? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to hear people say that it's changing what they're doing, that it's helping them get ahead. So those have been really incredible and surprising things to hear, absolutely fantastic. You know, I think that on the negative side of things, it's funny because um, it's a book and it's printed and here it is, but it's also one of those things that's never really done. And so I keep joking with my husband that I'm going to stop reading it 
because, you know, I go into it and I look for stuff when I'm doing speaking engagements and I pull out quotes and things, and then you find something where you go, oh, I didn't like that sentence, or oh, that's missing this thing, or I should have put this in. And so I think the hardest thing has been my own criticism, and the greatest thing has been everyone else's, um, you know, public lauding and very excitement, a lot of excitement about it. So that's the hard, I think, the good and the bad. Going into the project, what did you think success would look like? Um, what did you I want my, for your Yeah, I mean, for me, a huge part of the success was just just seeing it, getting it into my hands. I mean, um, I didn't have any delusions of grandeur that I was going to, you know, be the first self-published author on the New York Times this, list this year or anything like that. Um, but I really, it was getting it in my hands, having it as a resource for what I do on a regular basis as a speaker and as an author and as a writer. Um, and so that was really the first success. Um, secondly, I think, you know, when you go the route of an, an author-funded publishing, you, you pay money out of your pocket. So um, it's certainly been my goal to recoup those costs, and we're definitely on our way to doing that, which is really good. That's got to feel good. And is there anything that you wish you knew before you started this project, something that would have made it different if you knew this ahead of time? Yeah. Um, what I tell authors now when they ask me for advice is to over-research and over-plan. I mean, it's one thing I also tell people, you know, if you want to write a book, the most important thing you have to do is actually write, that a lot of people plan, 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 and then never get to the book thing. But um, I was very lucky in some of the decisions that I made. I made my publishing company decision pretty hastily. I sort of went, okay, great, they're in Minneapolis, but I like him, and he, I know some people who know him, and I'm very, very happy with it. I made some other decisions um, probably too hastily about people who were working on my book or um, you know, people I was interviewing or any of those kinds of things that I wish I had stepped back. And so what I would say to anybody is on a publishing company, on an editor, on a designer, um, step back, interview two or three different people, really get a feel for which vendor is the right one for you um, because it's a long process and you have to work with those people over a pretty long period of time. So um, that was my sort of one learning thing was just to do your research really strongly um, and make sure that those people are, are there. And also with the publishing company, one good thing that I got that I've heard a lot of authors say that they don't is, Mill City Press is so easy to get in touch with. They have You have someone you can call every single day, all day, and they are always on the phone. If they're not there, they will call you within five minutes. So I think those are really important questions that I personally didn't have a problem with, but I've heard a lot of people say they did. Uh, so I think yeah, do your research, ask, ask really good questions of anyone who's going to be a part of your process, whether it's a PR company or your editor or your book designer or your your um, publishing company, ask a lot of questions and never let anyone make you feel like you are difficult. That's the hardest thing. I think I asked a lot of questions and I probably took this process more seriously than some authors that some of my vendors were used to deal, dealing with. And so my questions sometimes became annoying and it was pretty clear. And so my advice to people is ask the questions, ask as many questions as you can, and if anyone gets annoyed with you, they're probably not the right vendor for you. That's great, great, great advice. Um, in our last, um, I guess in our in our last minute or two, is there anything else 
that you would like to share. A lot of people that I work with as a book coach and as a publisher have wanted to write a book for a long time. And something stands in their way, whether it's time or lack of clarity or focus or just other things coming up that get prioritized higher. So if there's somebody out there who has wanted to write a book for a long time and they haven't been able to, you know, they started, but they haven't been able to cross the finish line the way you have, what would you tell them? Yeah, I'd tell them two things. Number one, um, get a team, even if they're not your book team, but get a team that surrounds you um, and tell everybody around you that you're writing the book. I think a lot of times authors sort of shell themselves up in their, you know, in their office at home and they try to write this book. Um, part of what was great for me was peer pressure. Everybody knew I was writing. Everybody knew I was writing. My colleagues knew I was writing. People I'm on boards with knew I was writing. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law knew I was writing. My parents did. So what happens is every time you talk to someone, they go, how's the book, how's the book, how's the book? And it really pushes you to do that. So I would say surround yourself with that team of people who is going to continuously push you. And then the second thing is write yourself a really good schedule. I literally said I'm going to have chapter one done by this date, chapter two done by this date, and I hit almost every single one of those marks. Um, So that kind of schedule and letting other people in on what your schedule is will be really helpful. I finished a lot of the book. I spent two weeks over Christmas last year with my incredible in-laws at a resort in Wisconsin, and they tolerated the fact that my computer was on my lap most of the time, and it was because they were so supportive of what I was doing and that I really wanted to get this book done. Yeah, great, terrific advice. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Marcy Tweet is the author of You Know Everybody, A Career Girl's Guide to Building a Network That Works. You can check out more about that on youknoweverybodybook.com, youknoweverybodybook.com. Um, and you can also find Mar- Marcy over at her company, Career Girl Network. So check out Career Girl Network as well. Marcy, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Great talking to you, too. And we'll be back next week on Book Journeys Radio because we are changing the world one book at a time.